Amen. I'm just going to have to start preaching because I'm, I'm a little wobbly up here. Oh, thank God. We've been talking about power of oppression. I believe this is a very timely message, and I believe God's given it to me for a purpose and a reason because this now is the time for us to break free, for us to, to know what, what true freedom is. And a lot of us say, I want to be free, but we don't know what that means. You know, people say, I want to be free, but, but they don't know what that means. You know, free from what? Some people think freedom is, is not being told what to do. That's not freedom. That's, that's defiance. Some, some think uh, freedom is not having any responsibilities. That's, that's, not, that's not freedom. That's, that's laziness. We, we've got we to gotta get focused on what is freedom. What is true freedom? Freedom, freedom is when you're free on the inside from, from that which drives you and, and causes you to, to obsess, causes you to uh, be bound in your thinking and in your soul and in your spirit. And to be free to receive and to move in the things of God. I want us to, to look at that this morning. In um, Acts 10.38, where we've been starting out, it says, and how, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. Healing all that were oppressed of the devil. It didn't say he went and helped them. It says he went and healed them. Healing all that were oppressed of the devil. I believe in, in the power of Almighty God being manifest in this earth in people's lives. Amen. I believe, I believe we're going to start seeing that in, in a, a much more dramatic measure. Hallelujah. I've been seeing it. Not only in the spirit, I've been seeing it in the natural. Praise God. Had the opportunity to go to and minister in Benaiah and, and Natalie's uh, class uh, down at Sanctuary Hope last Last Wednesday night, they, they're trying to get me to do it every Wednesday night, just take over, but I, I'm telling them, no, it's, this is yours, you need to do it. And we, we were able to minister and teach, and then after I got through teaching, these, these are people that's been brought in that have no experience with church, and, and they're bound by drugs, they're bound by all kinds of stuff, they're homeless, they're, they're, uh, their lives have been destroyed. And uh, they, they don't have any concept of, of Christianity or, uh, you know, our spirituality or whatever it is. And after I got through teaching, the Holy Spirit just began to give me words of knowledge for these people. And I just began to speak directly into their lives and, and explain what was going on in their lives. And, and, and some of them that, that had no experience with this, when I would start ministering to somebody, some of the others would start crying. They didn't know. It was, they were so touched that they knew that they knew this person. And now all of a sudden this strange guy is is telling what's going on in this person's life and and what God's and and explaining what God's doing to him and and you know people don't need just to know what we believe. People need to experience what we believe. Amen. They need to feel it. They need, to, they need to have something tangible. You know, we, we think, well, they just need to believe. Well, there's a whole lot of stuff out there that is trying to get them to believe in. But when, when, when they have an encounter with the awesome presence of God, they can't get away from that. Amen. They can't get away from that. 
Praise God. We had, we had people there was, that was, that was uh, manifesting demonically. And, uh, you know, it, just, it, it was just a fun atmosphere. Praise God, where, where you know that God is doing things. And you know, you know that God is really uh, penetrating somebody's heart. Yeah, and this, this one, one person, I mean, I knew that, that, I knew that with just a couple of more seconds, I could have, I could have had that demon manifesting really, really uh, dramatic. But God, Holy Spirit backed me off, and he said, he said I'm, I'm penetrating the truth into her heart right now. She has to have truth. Because if I, he said, if you continue, she's going to feel like you're abusing her just like she's been done all of her life. That's what Holy Spirit told me. And he said, he said just get this truth into her heart and, and back off. And so that's what I did. Because Holy Spirit cares so much for us. Amen. Oh, thank God. What a, what a wonderful time we're living in. And, and we're going to see things in a much more dramatic uh, fashion in the days ahead. Amen. Oh, thank you, Jesus. The, uh, the, the oppression that we have been operating under for, for several years now has become so familiar. We've talked about it that we've, we are actually familiar with it. We feel familiar with it. We're, we're used to being weighted down. We're used to feeling like we can't breathe. We're used to just being oppressed and stressed and you know, the, the, you know, going through the daily things of life. We're used to uh, our blessing being stolen from us. We're used to, you know, we have these, these sayings that, you know, uh, I can't, I can't uh, win for losing. And, and uh, you know, every time I try to get ahead, something happens. And, you know, we, we try to get ahead financially, and the money gets stolen from us because of some reason. We, we think everything's turning out, and then, then another problem comes, and this problem comes. I'm not saying problems aren't going aren't to keep coming. I'm saying that we're going to start responding to them in a much different way because we're going to be free, and, and we're going to be unfamiliar with that thing where we know how to raise up against it and say, no, you're not going to suffocate me. You're not going to shut me down. Amen. You're not going to steal from me. How dare you steal from me? Amen. Now you're going to have to pay it back with interest. Amen. With interest. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I've been, well, we're not going to get into that. Praise God. Come on, get focused here. In, in the book of uh, Acts, chapter 9, verse 32 through 35, I've got, a, I've got a bunch of notes up here, and I'm just going to start picking where the Holy Spirit wants me to go. In the, in the book of, of Acts, chapter 9, and verse 32, it says, Now it came to pass, as Peter went through all parts of the country, that he also came down to the saints who dwelt at Lydda. Lydda. There he found a certain man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years and was paralyzed. Holy Spirit led me to this scripture this week as I was praying and, and led me to this, and he just burned this into my spirit, and, and he began to say, I'm about to break the paralytic condition of my church. Says G Peter went down there and he found a man that had been paralyzed for eight years. 
He couldn't move. He couldn't function. He couldn't accomplish anything. And how many of, of God's people are, are paralyzed today and are not able to function and move and operate the way God wants us to operate? We, we are bound by guilt. We're bound by shame. We're bound by fear. We have, we have opposition. We, we respond bad to opposition. We're angry. We're offended. We're bitter. And, and the enemy has come in to paralyze the church and to paralyze the people of God and keep us from accomplishing the things that God has commanded us to accomplish. And we have been laying on our bed paralyzed, unable to move while the world is being destroyed around us. We want to, we hope so, and we, but we don't know how to get out of this bed of paralyzation because we are paralyzed by fear. We're paralyzed by doubt. We're paralyzed by the fact that we don't know how to get free. We don't even know what's keeping us from it. But the Holy Spirit is beginning to speak, and he's beginning to say, I'm going to command you to get up and walk. It's time to get up and make your bed. It's time to get off that bed and start walking. You say, Pastor, I'm not on a, I'm not on a bed. I'm, I'm speaking metaphorically, okay? You might, have been, you might be busy every day. You might be going about your business and doing all kinds of things and, and being very busy in life, but in your spirit, you're paralyzed. You want to lay hands on the sick and see them recover, but you're paralyzed. You want to see the power of God flow in your life, but you've been paralyzed. And it seems like nothing happens. But Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus the Christ heals you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Jesus the Christ heals you. Arise and make your bed. Then he arose immediately. Hallelujah. He arose immediately. I like the way that that Jesus and Peter and all of them, when they, when, when they healed somebody, they didn't just say, get up and walk. They always said, get up, take up your bed. In other words, make up your bed, get rid of the leftovers of your condition, and walk. In other words, take authority over what has had authority over you. Establish dominion over what has had dominion over you. Amen. To be able to get up and walk, to be able to be free from, from that which paralyzes us, to be able to be free from that which was, has stopped us and stymied us and, and kept us back. Amen. As I was this week, as I was seeking God and, and praying, you know, I have to just, I have just shut everything off sometimes. There are so many demands and so much that needs to be done. And, and so many obligations and responsibilities. And sometimes I just have to shut everything off. And last Wednesday, I just shut it all off. And I stayed here in the church and prayed and, and studied and sought God from, from about 8.30 in the morning until 5 o'clock that evening and just stayed in the presence of God and just praying. And I began to feel hope come into my spirit. That's when God showed me this verse when I read that. He said, I'm, I'm about to break the paralytic condition off of my people. And they're going to rise up and begin to walk. Hallelujah. Oh, thank God. Uh, he said, I'm going I'm to free my churches. I'm going to free my people. 
people, my churches, from being paralyzed, and they're going to begin to see the manifestation of the Spirit of God. As I was, as I was walking around praying and, and praying over this church and declaring the things of God over this church, I walked back and I looked at that building, and I've been, we, we've got to clean that big classroom up back there, and I've been thinking about doing different stuff with it. And as I walked back there, the Holy Spirit said, you're not going to do anything in that classroom. You're going to tear that wall down because you're going to need an overflow for the people that are coming in. Amen. Listen, we've got to get our faith out of the bed of paralytic condition and start letting it flow and letting it move in the power of God. Amen. What we, when we have this attitude that we can't seem to get it done, we're not believing in God, we're believing in ourselves. We're, we're looking at our abilities, we're looking at our provision, we're looking at what we have, but God says, get your eyes off of you, get your eyes off your situation, your condition, and look at me and hear my voice because I'm commanding you to get up and walk. Amen. The gifts, the gifts of God that has been held captive and paralyzed in the people of God are about to start breaking free and walking and breathing. Hallelujah. About to start moving because we need that. We need it to be a demonstration. See, a lot of people think gifts are, are, just, are, are just to do, you know, do things. And it, Can I put this? Help me articulate this, Holy Spirit. If we can just stop being self-centered about the gifts of God and start realizing that every gift of the Spirit is to point people to Jesus and say, Jesus knows you, he loves you, and he's right here with you. He's not a long way off. And it is an introduction, it is a breakthrough for people when all of a sudden they realize, hey, God loves me. God's right here. I had somebody this week that finally got the revelation into their heart, and they finally understood, and it was like a deliverance when they said, you know, I finally understand. I knew God loves me because he has to, but I've got, I just realized he actually likes me. That was like a deliverance. It was like his revelation. He doesn't just love me. He likes me. He wants to spend time with us. He likes having me around. Now, a lot of people immediately just back off from that. It's like, oh, no, that, you know, that can't be God. Yes, it is God. God loves you. He won't, and more than that, he likes you. Matter of fact, he created you, and he really loves watching you operate in the abilities and the, and the, the personality and the ways that he created you. He loves working with that and making it come into a place where it shows people to Jesus and where they realize that this is who the Lord is. See, for years, prophetic gift, the prophetic gift has been a reproach to the house of God because the prophetic gift has been used to reveal the sin and the, and the things in people's lives. The people think that prophets are, are to do nothing more than reveal the sin and the things that are wrong. I got to tell you something. That was Old Testament prophets. New Testament prophets come to reveal how good God is and what he wants to do to you to uplift and to speak into the hearts and lives of people, not to tear them down, not to reveal, not to point out, but to literally say, hey, this is what God thinks of you, this is where God's taking you, and this is what he wants to do in your life. 
I shook the hand of a man the other night that was totally destroyed. His life was destroyed. Everything was gone. And I, I grabbed his hand, and I said, man, you are so awesome. That just come out of my mouth. I didn't mean to say that. I said, you are so awesome. He looked up at me, had his head down. He looked up at me, and he said, thanks. And God just began to speak. See, God wasn't speaking to the problems in his life. God was speaking to the qualities that he put inside of him. God was speaking who he created him to be, not what the devil had made him. See, a lot of the church only knows how to speak to what the devil's made people, but we don't know how to speak to what, to what God sees in them and what God put in them, and we got to start calling it out. Come on, somebody. Guilt and condemnation is one of the most powerful things that the devil holds over the people of God. He does not want you to be free. He does not want you to walk out of your past. He wants you to stay in your past trying to believe that God loves you enough to forgive you. I just hope I make it to heaven one day. Well, listen, God's absolutely sure you'll make it to heaven because he loves you if you'll give your life to him. But if you constantly hang on to it and say, I don't know if God can forgive this. I don't know. You feel this guilt, this remorse. Remorse just keeps coming up, coming up, coming up. you got to cast that down and tell it where it belongs. It belongs in the mouth of Satan, not in your mouth. It belongs in, in, in the mouth of, those, of the destroyer. And you're not going to come in agreement with that. You're going to come in agreement with what God says about me. And God says that I am awesome and he loves me. Hallelujah. I was telling somebody this week that was just stressed about, about ministry, and I said, man, if, if you can just get a hold of the, if you can just get a hold of the concept that this is so much fun. Wow, that went over like a lead balloon. See, that's what the church, the church thinks. It's, it's this heavy burden that i got to bear. i got to tell you something. The power of God moving in your life is the funnest thing you'll ever do. Get, getting stuck right in the middle of a bad situation with the almighty power of God flowing through you is the funnest thing that you can do. A lot of us dread it and fear. I don't know if I can do that. Well, God knows he can do it, so why don't you just be quiet and, and let him do it? Just have fun. Amen. Laugh. Cry. Rejoice. Quit thinking about yourself. Come on. That's what binds us up. I don't know. What do I look like if this doesn't happen? What will happen? I am, I am just all over the place this morning. But we, we have got to stop thinking about ourselves and start realizing that God is active. He's alive. And he's the one taking care of all this. Holy Spirit's the one doing it. And if we'll just, if we'll just jump in and ride along with him, he has a lot of fun. It's exciting. Amen. We read we read the New Testament, and all we we read in the New Testament is 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 they got arrested and they were in jail and and they got got beaten, all this kind of stuff. We we stop we we keep forgetting the fact that they had a really they had a blast. And Apostle Paul kept saying rejoice, and again I say rejoice. And he says I rejoice in this and I rejoice in that. How could it be rejoicing? Because he was free. He was free to be what God called him to do, and he was free from the the self incrimination. 
Paul had to deal with that. He met God on the road to Emmaus. Jesus revealed himself to me, and he fell on the ground, and he said, Who art thou, Lord? And at that moment, he, he declared that Jesus had dominion over his life because he called him Lord. We are to call him Lord we, when we come to be saved. Whosoever confesses that he is Lord it will be saved. And we declare him as Lord. You have dominion. You have authority. You have power over me. And that's what Paul, that Saul, when, when he met Jesus, he declared, I realize that you are Lord, that you are my master. You, are, you have authority and power over me. And then he went and, and studied for over three years and, and got the word. Why? Because he had to change his concept. He had to go from being a mad, angry, perfectionist in the, in the uh, Old Testament, in the law, to being somebody that delivered the good news. See, the gospel is good news. Saul went from somebody that went about killing people because they, wasn't, they was going against the law to a man that went out declaring, there's good news. I've got good news for you. Amen. There's salvation in Jesus Christ. He had a good time. A lot of people think that Paul didn't do anything. You know, he just didn't do anything but preach and suffer. I, I, I read a book here a while back where a pastor took us through Paul's life and showed us where Paul spent a lot of time in resort areas resting. He took vacations. Matter of fact, the last year of his life was he, he lived, he was supposed to be a prisoner, but ended up having his own hired house and, and ministering, and, and Rome paid for it. Now, when you can get the devil to pay for it, you know God's moving. You understand what I'm talking about? We've got to get rid of this concept that this is some heavy burden that we've got to bear. Man, I grew up with that thing. I carried it for years, and then God finally delivered me and got me to, to start enjoying the journey, enjoying God, enjoying the fact that this is awesome, this is amazing, this is fun. Everybody say, this is fun. Amen. Worship is fun. It's not a burden. Amen. Hallelujah. I laughed and cried today like I was watching some kind of comedy. I mean, just, you know, I, I don't know what that's about. I just get, that's, that's how it affects me. And it, it's exciting. It's awesome. It's fun. And just think, think how fun it'll be when we, when we start seeing people healed and, and, and things begin to change in their lives and, and we begin to see health come back to people's lives. We see little children raised up like Steve was talking about. And we, we, we see ch lives totally changed and transformed. I got to tell you something, that's not heavy, that's exciting. Amen. That'd make us, that'd make us quit thinking, oh, it's Sunday, I got to go spend two hours in church. You go from that to can't wait to get here and see what God's going to do today. Amen. A time of rejoicing. A time, a time where we are absolutely free from the oppression of the enemy that makes our life, makes our life hard. Oh, we, we, we take things so personal. We take things so hard in our lives. We get just so bound up. You know, thinking life's not fair. No, it's not. If it was fair, you wouldn't have near what you got. 
See, we're always feeling bad for ourselves, but we don't realize that you've been blessed. <laughs> you've been blessed. Amen. Hallelujah. You have been blessed. I was thinking about some, this week I was praying about some needs and some stuff that I'd like to do. How many know there's stuff you want to do? There's, there's things you feel like you need to do and, and everything. And I was praying about that and just declaring it. And, and all of a sudden I stopped and I said, God, I am spoiled rotten. I mean, you have spoiled me. You have blessed me beyond measure. And I just thank you, God, that you have blessed me so much. Amen. <laughs> You say, oh, you must have a big bank account. No, it's sucking air. <laughs> Amen. Praise God, the bankers are actually praying for me. You say, we, everything must be going great in your life. Not hardly. But there is something that's going great in my life, and it's the power of the Holy Spirit inside of me that's given me unction and excitement and want me to want me to understand that my future is so bright I have to wear sunglasses to look at it. Because Jesus is already in my future. Amen. See, Paul, when when Peter looked at that man that had been paralyzed for eight years, he just looked at him and he said, Jesus Christ heals you. He said, now get up and make up your bed. Don't leave that mess there. Get up and make your bed. Amen. And the man got up. Amen. You know, you know how Peter was able to do that? Because he didn't see the paralyzation. He, he saw God. He saw Jesus. He saw life. He's, he, he was looking at the awesomeness of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He wasn't looking at the situation and how hard it is. He was looking at the fact that, that, that oh, this is going to be good. You ever got in a situation like that where you think, yeah, this is going to be good? <laughs> Amen. Need to quit dreading it and think, yeah, this is going to be good. <laughs> Woo! Jump on that bucking bronco and ride it. <laughs> wave, your hat, wave your hat and scream and yell and have a good time. Amen. We've got to learn to ride this thing. We've got to learn to enjoy what God has given us and enjoy life. Life is not some, I mean, we, we think... We, we think that, you know, the pursuit of happiness is probably one of the things in, in America that has caused us the most amount of problem because we don't understand what that means. The pursuit of happiness is to be responsible. The pursuit of happiness is to accomplish something. The pursuit of happiness is to be right, to do what's right. The pursuit of happiness is, is to be who you're supposed to be. But we think this pursuit of happiness is somehow to tickle us all the time. No, you get tickled when you start seeing the things that need to be done accomplished. Amen. Being who you are, that's what will get you happy. Amen. Praise God. You can laugh until your sides hurt whenever you really realize how awesome God is and what he's doing. Amen. Praise God. Matter of fact, anyway, I don't know what all to share with you guys. When, when, when Wednesday, when I was just praying, I mean, just, just the presence of God was so heavy. I saw a time where people was going to be healed because they were laughing so hard, all the sickness just come out of them. I thought, wow, boy, could we use that? 
might break some cracks in our faces, but we could use that. Amen. We could use people leaving the, leaving, the, leaving the church with sore stomach muscles because they've been laughing so hard and enjoying God so much with your face hurting. Amen. Praise God. All right. I'm just going to leave that with you. Signs and wonders. God is doing signs and wonders. We're beginning to see some really strange stuff. And in the New Testament, signs and wonders were done by the hands of the apostles, and things like that are starting to happen in different places. There's, there, I forget where it's at. There's a church down south here somewhere where oil started running out of the pastor's Bible. Oil. Just good, clean oil. Started running out of his Bible. And to date, it has produced gallons and gallons and gallons of oil. I mean, they're giving this stuff away and saying, here you go. And people that come to the services have, have been experiencing oil just starts running out of their hands. And they just get covered with oil. I don't, I don't know that I like that, but they just get covered with oil. You know, I kinda, I'm kind of against that kind of thing, but, you know, feel sticky and all that. But, but there's oil and there's healing and, you know, it's a sign and a wonder. I don't know all that's behind it, but I know that they, I know they couldn't even rig something up that would cause a Bible that's not attached to anything to just pour oil all the time, and they, they have big containers of it. Just, and, and when people come, they, they give it away, say, here, and, and it's a sign and a wonder, and, and it's not a gimmick. It's something God, God's trying to get people's attention and say, hey, you know, I need you to start looking my way. Then they're down in, in uh, Dawsonville, I think it's, it's Dawsonville, Georgia. Recently, a revival has begun to happen in a, in a church down in Dawsonville, Georgia. And in a 21-day fast, the church was fasting 21 days, Christ Fellowship Church, I think, or something like that. And they were fasting 21 days. And in this fast, the pastor one day saw the baptistry full and a fire. The baptistry was on fire. There was fire on the baptistry. And he didn't know exactly what that meant. But, but the next baptism they had, when people started walking down into the baptistry, the power of God came on them, and they had to drag them out the other side. And not only was it a feeling or sensation, but people are being healed. Miracles are taking place. when people, And every Sunday night, people are going to that church just to get in the baptistry. And when they get in the baptistry, there's healing. Say, people are being delivered from drug addiction. They're being delivered from all kinds of bondage. And, and it's because they're walking into a baptistry full of water. Why would that happen? And the psychologist would say, well, it's the power of, of persuasion. It's, it's because everybody's talking about it when people walk in or they, they, they think they're feeling it. Well, what about all the doctors that have, that, have, that have confirmed the fact that miracles have taken place? See, we've got to understand that God is trying to get the attention of people, and he's having to do some really strange things to get us to stop and say, hey, we might ought to start paying attention because God's here. 
Amen. There'll be times in the near future where, where fires will literally be on top of church buildings and it won't be consumed because, because God wants people to stop and say, hey, something's going on. We need to see what's going on. And then they find out that there is a Lord and a Savior. His name is Jesus Christ. And by his blood, you can be saved. Listen, God is trying to get the attention of people and he's going to have to do it with some very drastic measures. And we're going to have to realize there's some really weird stuff that's going to start happening in the body of Christ and it's going to cause us a lot of problems because there's going to be a lot of accusers out there. But in the middle of all that, people are going to start realizing the power of God and realizing that there's a God in heaven and he's real. Amen. Signs and wonders is to do nothing else but to get the attention of people and, point and begin to start searching after God. That's all it's about. Whatever God wants to do, we need to be ready to do it. I realize there's always those that, that try to copycat and gimmick and all that, and I wish we would stop worrying so much about that stuff. Whenever something like that happens, we just shut down. We get oppressed again because somebody wasn't real. And so we discount everything that is real, and we package it all up in a box, and we throw it away, and we go back and sit down in our pew of oppression, and we say, boy, I wish God would do something. God was trying to do something, but you shut him down and shut him off and turned him off and said, said no thanks because somebody didn't do something right. Matter of fact, I begin to realize that we are the pickiest, most critical people in the, that there is because if somebody begins to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit and we can find one thing wrong with them, we discount everything. We shut them down. We throw them away. We say, no, it can't be God, but I got to tell you something. God works through unclean vessels. You say, oh, no, he doesn't. Yes, he does. I can take you in the Bible and prove it. Matter of fact, God has raised up voices all over America today that are speaking, and they're not really good people. And because they're not really good people, and because the church can find fault with them and, and find this and find that, all the, all the, all the, all the, the uh, whatever you want to call them, the, all the so socialists and the communists in this country have to do to get the church to turn against somebody is to reveal fault in them, and the church in America turns their back on them, even though God might have put them there, even though they're speaking. Am I, am I, am I, am I, am I getting a little too intense for you? We can't hear the words of God because we can't get past the one thing we, we find wrong with somebody. i got to tell you something. You're going to find something wrong with everybody. God finds a whole lot wrong with you. And yet he's willing to use you. If we could just put our list away of qualifications that somebody has to measure up to before we can let them be used of God, then we could start experiencing something. Goodness. See, God wants to change lives. God wants to put us in a position. See, when Paul started preaching the gospel, people had all kinds of faults with him. The biggest part of the New Testament is Paul having to stand against the resistance of the church trying to put him down. He's not a good speaker. He doesn't talk good enough. Matter of fact, he had to follow Paulus around who was a very, very um, articulate 
minister. And when, when Apostle Paul says, I'm not coming to you with, with great swelling words of man's wisdom, he, Apollos had just been there. And it was Paul, Paul was trying to get him to understand, hey, I can't talk like Apollos, but I've got something from God, and if you just listen to me. Moses stuttered, and yet God used him. Moses had tantrums, and yet God used him. Jacob was a deceiver. He was named deceiver. Can you imagine being Jacob every time your mama called your name? Say, hey, little deceiver, come here. <laughs> deceiver, it's time for supper. That's what Jacob lived with. He would deceive her, and he lived that out until one day he come in contact with God, and all of a sudden he had an encounter with God and got in a wrestling match with God, and God injured him in that wrestling match. But when he came out of it, God said, you're no longer a deceiver. You are a prince. You're no longer Jacob. Now you're Israel. I'm changing your identity. I'm changing what people call you. Now every time somebody calls your name, they're going to, say, they're going to be saying Prince. Yet even though God called him Prince, he still had to face Esau that didn't think he was a Prince. We've got to start listening for God. We've got to start watching for God. We've got to realize God is coming in signs and wonders, and he's going to use people that we don't think he should use. I've been that way all my life. I've been very picky. And God's had to really start working on me to open up my heart and open up my life and realize that, that I've got to start hearing his word. Matter of fact, before the election in 2008 in a prayer meeting right here, I shared with the church and I said, God is raising up voices and the voices he's raising up, the church will not accept. The church will not want to accept. We're, we're going to say, no, that can't be God. And yet God's raising up voices. Men with prophetic voices are going to start speaking. And, and we're going to be repulsed by the people that God's using. But we're going to have to lay that down and start accepting the fact that God is speaking. Amen. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. We're coming into midterm election. i got to tell you something. Don't take this for granted. You, we need to be fasting and praying. Praise God. Before the election in, in, uh, in 2016, we come into that election. I, I spent, God called me into prayer, and I spent four days in fasting, four months in fasting and prayer before that election. Every day, I would spend six to eight hours a day in this church praying. I wasn't able to make money. I lost about $10,000 in income in those four months and, and had to just let it go. Why? Because there was something greater than, than making money. There was something greater than paying bills, actually. There was something needed to happen, and God wanted us to pray. God wanted to seek God. We're coming into a time where we got to stop, stop shutting some stuff off and get in the prayer room and say, God, show us your glory. God, manifest your glory. Amen. I don't pray for, for uh, 
certain candidates. I don't ask God to, to put certain candidates in. I call out and say, God, manifest your glory. God, raise up. God, manifest your presence. Show us your presence. Save us, God. Show us mercy and grace in this time. And that's the call that goes out from the church and the body of Christ. We've got to start saying, God, you come. You manifest. You show up. You bring people to the top. You install people because I'm going to pick the wrong one probably, but I'm going to call out on you and say, God, you take control of this thing. Save this country. Have mercy on this country. God, save this nation from, from being destroyed. See, if you're going to break oppression off your life, you're going to have to stop listening to the voices that keep causing you to shut down and turn off. You're going to have to break those concepts and perceptions in your mind and your heart that causes you to shut down and turn off. The devil knows what, what they are, and he knows all he has to do is hit you with them, and you'll shut down and walk right back into the prison of oppression and, and sit there gladly because something hasn't measured up. But God's wanting to change our perception. He's wanting us to change our concept. He's wanting to stop giving him list and just start calling on the manifestation of his presence. God, manifest yourself. Manifest your glory, God. Call people out of darkness into light. Call them out of darkness into light. See, God's about to turn on a, on a bright light. But it's not going to be a light that says, hey, we see your sin. It's going to be a light that says, look at God. Come to Jesus. It's going to be a light that's going to turn on like a lighthouse out in the, out in the dark ocean when, when the fog and the storms are raging and they can't see anything. They don't know where they're at. They don't know how close they are to the rock. And all of a sudden they see the flash of that lighthouse and they know that that's a rock. They know that's a shore and I've got to avoid that. God's about to turn on the light and he's about to show us his presence, his glory. Oh, come on, somebody. It's time we stop preaching an all seeing eye that's watching you and seeing if you're going to mess up and start preaching an all seeing eye that's come down to deliver you and save you and heal you and take you out of darkness. There's an all seeing eye watching your life and he wants to heal you of your oppression. We need to stop chasing people away from God and start bringing people to God. In Acts chapter 16, if you'll hang on with me just a little bit longer, the restaurants will be empty when you get out. book of Acts chapter 16, Paul and Silas is going, or not Paul, I think it's Paul and Silas. Yeah, Paul and Silas were going and they was ministering and all of a sudden this little girl that was bound by a spirit of divination hooked up with Paul and Silas and she started following them around and saying these men are men of God. They've come to show us the way of salvation. You'd think that would be awesome you know, somebody declaring that, but it was a spirit of divination that was trying to maintain dominion over the people of God. 
and over the things God, because everybody knew this, this young lady had a, di- a divining spirit because she was a truth teller, she was a palm reader, she was a, a, a psychic, whatever you want to call it. And people, the, the owners, the people that owned her made money off of that gift that she had been given, that divination. But it was from a devil, it was from a demon. And she was going around announcing Paul and Silas, which, which that when, when the devil's announcing you as true people of God, that doesn't exactly lift up the name of the Lord. That's the, the devil is trying to take possession of what God's doing and trying to take ownership of it and trying to get people to realize that he's actually the one in charge. It was all about dominion and this little girl following them around, announcing them all the time until Paul finally got so annoyed, he knew it was going to cause problems. That's why he left her alone. He just kind of tried to put up with it. But he suddenly got so annoyed that he turned around and commanded the demon spirit to come out of her and the spirit came out of her and she was set free and you'd think everybody would be happy but the owners realized that their way of making money was gone so they grabbed Paul and Silas took them in front of the magistrate and accused them and the people uh, got all upset and the, the magistrates tore their clothes off I don't know what was wrong with people in that day every time they got upset they wanted to tear their clothes off you know it's like you know you must have a lot of money always tearing your clothes up all the time but that was their symbol of being outraged, is tear their clothes off. I'm glad we don't do that today. Good night. We couldn't, we could, you, we couldn't even go through Branson. <laughs> people, driving, people driving down 65 Highway be ripping their clothes off while they're driving. <laughs> Throwing their shirts out the window. You know? People are so agitated today. I, just, I, I get amused. It's actually amusing to me how agitated people are. And I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, maybe we ought to just start video, following people around with videos and saying, hey, watch this. I want you to see something really funny. It's you. <laughs> <laughs> because obviously people don't see, don't view themselves like everybody else is viewing them. You know, it's like, <laughs> you know, that's embarrassing. You don't realize how embarrassing you look right now, you know. Boy, it's going over heavy. Some of y'all need to repent right now. We need to cast that spirit of agitation out of you. You just suddenly realize that you don't look powerful when you're doing that. See, a lot of us, a lot of us see our, ourselves as, as the gladiator with the shield and the sword and the helmet. And everybody else is looking at you seeing this little baby that's whining and crying. Totally different viewpoint. And we're such agitated people. And they ripped their clothes off. And they commanded that Paul and Silas be beaten with rods. Now, we don't understand a lot of this stuff. We think they just picked up these, you know, these sticks and started beating them. No, these were, these were rods of authority. The sergeants carried them with them. It was a symbol of correction. It was a symbol of authority. If you don't do what, we told, what you're told, we will beat you with these rods. It was a symbol of authority. And so Paul and Silas were beaten with the symbols of Roman dominion. Something starting to make sense with you right now? You getting a revelation? See, the devil loves to beat you and get you back into submission to his dominion. And he knows exactly how to do it. He knows the exact people to send your way to get you to do that. And they beat Paul and Silas with these rods of of Roman dominion, of authority. 
And then they took him and threw him in jail. And they told the jailer, said, you keep these men secure. And the jailer, it, it, it frightened him because his life was on the line if anything happened. So he took them down in the innermost prison. In other words, they had to go through other blocks, cell blocks, so to speak, in order to get out. So they, there's no way they could escape. And he put them right in the middle of the prison, and he put, his, put their feet in stocks, these big wooden things with holes in them. He locked them down so that they couldn't get away. And Paul and Silas is sitting there and, and in a perfect symbol, symbolic situation of the fact that they were under oppression from the dominion of Rome and the dominion of the devil. And it looked like they were under the oppression of the enemy, but you can't bring oppression on somebody that's free. You can't get somebody that, that is free in their spirit to, to succumb to oppression. It doesn't matter how many times you hit them with your rod of authority. If you know the authority of Jesus Christ, that's not going to matter to you because you already know there's a greater authority than what they're trying to use on you. And Paul and Silas sitting there in this jail looks like they are under the oppression of the devil, the oppression of Rome with no way out and they are defeated and all of a sudden Paul and Silas start singing all the other prisoners listening to them and they start singing and they start praying and I got to tell you something they wasn't singing woe is me deep dark depression excessive misery they wasn't crying out to God and saying God how could you let this happen to us they wasn't crying out to God and saying God we did something good we cast that the devil out of that girl and we set her free and now we're suffering for doing your work no they were, they were bigger than that they were more mature than that they were singing the praises of almighty God because they were free on the inside they were not oppressed they were not bound on their spirit and so they begin to praise God and warn Worship God and pray and tell God how awesome he is and tell God how great he is. And God got so excited and got so in tune with him and got to singing with him that all of a sudden the earth starts shaking and all the doors of the prison came open. What happened? They changed dominion. Rome tried to beat them into submission. The devil tried to beat them into submission. But they refused to accept the dominion of the devil, the dominion of Rome, and they declared the dominion of Almighty God right in that prison, that he is in dominion over my stocks and bonds. He's in dominion over my stripes. He's in dominion over my emotions and my feelings. He's in dominion over this prison that I'm in. And all of a sudden, God shakes that thing until the doors come open and the prison, the warden got saved and his family got saved and they were baptized and God caused his, his greatness to be demonstrated in the darkest hour. Why? Because they refused the dominion of the enemy. They refused to succumb to the dominion of their flesh the dominion of Rome or the dominion of the devil. And the dominion of God became more apparent, more powerful. So the next day, they said, go, sit, go turn those troublemakers free. They come in there and, they, and told Paul he could go. He said, no, 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 no. No, 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 no. They beat me with the rod over their authority, and they had no right to. They're going to come down here and escort me out of here. 
because I am a Roman. And they broke the law of Rome by beating me and throwing me in jail without due process. And he said, so you tell them to come and escort me out of here. See, a lot of times we've got to understand no matter what it looks like, we're still in dominion. We still have authority over the situation. Hallelujah. Stand with me if you would. Oh, praise God. I'm not done, but I'm quitting. God, God has established so much that we're not taking advantage of and enjoying. God's going to work in some different ways in the days ahead. He's going to stretch us and shake us. But he's going to shake the doors of the captives and set them free. Yeah. Praise God. Jesus. We've had revivals in the church. We've had renewings and we've had awakenings and we've had, we've had revivals that have hit the church and, and brought refreshing to the church. But what I'm sensing in the days ahead is that this isn't going to be an in-house move of God, that this is going to be an out-of-the-house move of God. This is going to be a breaking free and a bringing in of the people that are lost and bound. Amen. We're going to have to learn. We're going to have to learn how to disciple and train people because we're going to have so many people coming in that don't know anything about God. Don't have any, any idea of how to live right. Don't have any idea what Jesus is, who Jesus is. They're going, to be, they're going to be trained in the drug culture. They're going to have a hard time understanding how to even function outside of that drug culture. But God's getting ready to shake prison doors all over. And he needs people like me and you to start singing at the midnight hour. Start singing and praying at the midnight hour. He needs us to start speaking. Praise God. Father, Lord, we can never take enough time to make ourselves ready for what you're about to do. Lord, help us to, to learn how to trust. Help us to learn how to just to follow you in paths we've never walked on before. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. God, you're good. God, you're good. Thank you, Father. God wants you and me to be free where we can speak 
where we can move, where we can reach. He wants to use your hands to touch with. He wants to use your lips to speak with. Thank you, Father. Let's take a few minutes and just worship God this morning. Let him speak to us today.